I'm Lemuel Gonzalez, repentant sinner, and along with Amory Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson without works. Today we're going to investigate an instance of heathen idolatry at CPAC. Yes, someone actually made and worshipped a golden idol. There is historical precedent for this, and we discuss that in The More You Know. But first, we're going to speak about taking a stand in a brief edition of Cannon Fodder. Popular Bible teacher Beth Moore may be the most high-profile Southern Baptist to publicly cut ties with the conservative evangelical denomination in the last year, but she is not the only one to go. Some say a string of recent departures should serve as a wake-up call for the Nashville-based network of churches. Southern Baptists need to do some soul-searching of why so many African-American leaders have left and now why their most prominent woman leader has left, says Ed Setzer of a Southern Baptist pastor and executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. When the author and Bible teacher Beth Moore announced she was leaving the Southern Baptist Convention this week, she cited the staggering disorientation of seeing its leaders support Donald J. Trump and the racism and sexism revealed in her community by his presidency. Ms. Moore is not the leader of a church, a role inaccessible to Southern Baptist women, But as an itinerant speaker, she attracts significantly larger and more engaged audiences than most church leaders. Ms. Moore has an electric stage presence. She's also an exegetical powerhouse, says Kate Bowler, a historian at Duke Divinity School, who wrote about Ms. Moore in her 2019 book, The Preacher's Wife, The Precarious Power of Evangelical Women Celebrities. Rather than simply telling personal stories or offering generic inspiration, she goes deep on biblical texts that can look dry or complicated to the entree die. Ms. Moore's books are ubiquitous in evangelical Bible studies, which are often targeted to one gender. Like secular book clubs, they tend to function as intimate social gatherings, as well as sites of literary analysis. In recent years, Ms. Moore has achieved a new fame online that is distinct from her writing and speaking career. On Twitter in particular, she has more than ninety-five or 950,000 followers, and she has find, found a new audience, including men and non-Christians, and space to speak on topics beyond her usual portfolio of women's issues and spirituality. Her new outspokenness has turned into a kind of avatar for evangelical women who may be theologically conservative, but are increasingly uncomfortable with the cultural politics they have seen revealed in the churches since the 2016 election. In August, Ms. Moore issued a thread that read like a fiery sermon directly addressing the racism she saw in the white evangelical world. White supremacy has held tight to much of the church for so long because the racists outlasted the anti-racists, she began. Outlast them. She exhorted her readers to ignore name-calling and take the long view. And as always, she directed them back to the text. Stay in your Bible, she wrote, advising her followers to read the Old Testament prophets, starting with Isaiah, for insight into God's displeasure over injustice. Then read through the Gospels, she wrote, the rest of the New Testament. Read, read, read. About her departure from the Southern Baptist Conference, she has said, I love so many Southern Baptist people, so many Southern Baptist churches, but I don't identify with some of the things in our heritage that haven't remained in the past. 
I do not believe that these are days for mincing words. I am 63 and a half years old, and I have never seen anything in these United States of America I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. So this woman, uh, who I've never heard of because I am not an evangelical woman, mm-hmm. uh, but is hugely popular in that, especially white women, <laughs> that evangelical uh, corner of the church, has broken ties with the Southern Baptist Conference because, among other things, uh, when she brought up the racism and sexism and the Trumpism, they pushed back with, well, you're a woman, so how much say should you have from the pulpit anyway? At which point she was like, okay, if that's the argument you want to have with me when I'm bringing up real topics, bye. (laughs) Well, the evangelical Christianity is doesn't exist. Um, at least in this uh, manifestation of it, it ceased to become about Jesus. And it ceased to have any social gospel components to it. It's now nationalism, which is the opposite of what Jesus taught. Right. Literally. The, yes. <laughs> the literal opposite. opposite. Um yeah. And so there's no place for it in Christianity. I don't understand why they're continuing with this idea. And I really think that, and I can't speak to the Southern Baptist because, again, I'm not a member of their communion. However, um, we have to stop with Christianity on the whole denying women a place. Yes. Which is ridiculous that she's not allowed to have a voice and she's sort of relegated to this other position, particularly when um, so much of of sermon preaching nowadays is about telling stories Mm -hmm. or um, familiar stories or urban legends at times and trying to... I also don't know how well she'd do as a leader in the Southern Baptist Convention if she keeps going to the text. Right. Because she knows what's in the Bible and that's why this Trumpism is so abhorrent to her because... Tremendous... Um, uh, like, uh, first of all, the abandonment of the scriptures. Yes. When Donald Trump said, you know, had this really strange um, business of, when he was questioned about his favorite books of the Bible and he couldn't name anything and he's, you know, hemming yes. and hawing and all of them. And you know, all of them. The whole thing. Right. Okay. And uh, Saturday Night Live, Saturday, excuse me, Saturday Night Live did a really funny take on that where he just starts mentioning fictional biblical books. And it's the exact same thing that happened when John Snow comes back on Easter, and it's like he didn't the, have any idea. It's the same thing as when Sarah Palin was called out right. with name one newspaper you read, and she's like all of them. Well, well there's a a kind of deliberate willful ignorance um, that they practice, and they're well, they're, and Trump isn't. Practicing willful ignorance. Trump is not a Christian no, no, and wanted no, a Christian I mean, vote. So. Not just in matters of Christianity, but just willful ignorance in um, defying any attempt to be called or made responsible for any of the comments that you made. Oh, yes, of course. Say, yeah. And playing into this, well, I don't need to know that because of this. Right. And I rely was, on my own good brain. Right. Um, there's a an element of evangelical Christianity that was very prominent when I was 
younger, which was that we don't question because, um, you know, we feel led by the Holy Spirit. That was the one that I always heard. Like, well, what does that mean? You feel led. Um, and it seemed to me to be a really illogical thing to say because you're feeling led, not necessarily that you are led was one part of it, but also that you can sort of defy logic by saying you feel led or defy what um, what your responsibilities are to, by saying you felt led to go in this direction. And that's no different from a person who believes that, um, to me, in a more extreme example, that God told them, or the scripture, as they interpret it, means that they have the right to blow up buildings. And, right. And yeah. it, it's the same thing. It's just like, well, I feel like I'm justified in doing this because... I believe that I'm being told to do this. It makes absolutely no sense. You're not that special. No, you're not Chances that are pretty good that God is not talking directly to no. you. And I think that... There, He's uh, only done that a few times. <laughs> the, the way that God reveals itself, and I use itself because I really wish we could... There is no... I don't... Well, yeah, it's not a We have to develop person. a new language. Yeah. Um, for it, because saying he or she just sort of splits them in half. Them feels okay. Yeah, which is... Since again, it's a trinity anyways, right? Right, if, they. If, um, <laughs> it's, it just seems ridiculous to... I mean, all of it seems ridiculous. But uh, denying women a voice, not progressing with the rest of the world in terms of the responsibilities that women can be given, yeah. and the fact that she has this following and she can't use it because... A group of men have told her that according to their interpretation of the teachings, she's not allowed to teach. Right. Even though she's clearly a teacher. Right, exactly. Like, she's clearly a... You, you, you have a term, church leader, and that mm. means a specific thing. But my understanding of the English language tells me that she is, in fact, a church leader, because she's right. a leader in the church, and not anymore. I guess she lost her. But um, I, I feel grateful for her standing up. For any white woman standing up and uh -huh. going, no, white supremacy is a real thing. Right. And the sexism and misogyny is a real thing. And it's right. not okay. And it, it, yes, it is what we built this on. But it needs to stay in the past. Well, we've, we've talked about We need to the, have a reckoning up with the, it. And yeah, then we need to move the Southern forward. Baptists and their ideas and really why they came together as a group of people. Yeah. And unfortunately, it has it really did come together, right? <laughs> Literal, specific attempt to say who racism. gets to progress and who doesn't. Yeah, and it's also defining a culture like they've made a definition of a culture, and they're just defending that to the death. Yeah, not realizing you can't do that. That's not what Christianity is either. If that was the case, then it would have never spread past Jerusalem. But it spread to Rome, and it spread all over the world. And so that's kind of what we do as Christians. So to, for anybody to say, well, this is the culture it belongs with, it belongs with these people, no, that's not what we do. So, again, this kind of evangelical belief is in complete opposition to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. I'm glad that more people who are of a conservative bent, because I'm fairly liberal, and so there is some excuse for people to go, well, I'm not going to listen to what he says because he has these ideas about abortion and birth control and all these other things that are liberally bent. However, it's important to have people who are conservative mm -hmm. uh, have these ideas too because then they're recognizing, no, this is not what I believe either. Right. And it should never, never, never be tied to politics. And yet it has been in this really strange and 
inexplicable way. Right. Yes, so huzzah for Beth Moore. Good for her. And uh, I'm sure she will continue to have a strong following and do good yes. things. Yes, and I'm hoping that that is the beginning of a lot of people making decisions. Uh, it seems strange that questions of homophobia and sexism are dividing churches. Yeah. And that's sad, but it's making a church that, you know, when people want to go back to church, I'll say, have you tried the Episcopalians? Have right. you tried the New Methodists? Have you tried groups of people that are about being inclusive? Because mm -hmm. often in talking to people about Christianity, they're in, like they've had the childhood experience or they've read or seen and they feel drawn to it, but I can't recommend a church that's going to tell them you have to change what you are to be there. If that change is to be made, God makes it, not us. We can't force a person to change who and what they are. And so, if you are made this way, then why on earth do you need to change, for one thing? But also, I would like to recommend them to a place that's accepting. And the more options there are for that, the more church grows. If not, then it dies out. Yeah. Because it refuses to change or refuses to accept things. Yes. So, good agreed. for her. Yeah, no, it's very good. Next up, a story that seemingly came out of a satirical paper, but actually happened in real life, in The More You Know. Imagine that you were the leader of your people. You didn't want the job, but you were given it by a powerful and impetuous tribal god who cannot be resisted, even by the most powerful empire on earth. Jehovah, the fierce god of the enslaved Hebrews, he remembered his promise to his often delinquent people by rolling through Egypt, crushing all opposition to his will. He directed you to take his people out to the desert into their ancestral homelands. The people you are leading are not prepared for this. They are hardy from the rigors of living exclusively to work, but they are not prepared for the mass migration through a hostile region filled with wild animals and wilder men. Worse than this, those people don't remember who this tribal god is who rescued them. They have been in Egypt for so long, they only know the Egyptian gods, and not this strange, invisible god who is terrifying. Yes, Jehovah is terrifying. He's invisible, and he is everywhere. He could be over your shoulder, watching you when you sleep, watching you when you're awake, watching you always, right now, watching you. He has a very rigid idea of right and wrong. Do you want to anger him? No, I like presents at Christmas. <laughs> Jehovah turns rivers to blood. Jehovah kills firstborn children. Jeez. Jehovah sets up world leaders so that he can crush their kingdoms into powder. In the interest of scholarship, I will point out the scripture cited in Pulp Fiction is not genuine. Now, the desert trek is hard on the ancient Hebrews. They have been divorced from their culture and religion for many years. While stopping at Mount Sinai, uh, the place where Jehovah first revealed himself to Moses, God instructs Moses he's going to give them the rules for these people, a new culture. The uh, mountain would become holy during this period of time. People were not allowed to approach on pain of death. They had to wash their clothes, bathe, and abstain from sex. God was going to appear in thunder and lightning, and something that would sound like a trumpet blast. Moses would go up the mountain and talk to him. Jehovah gives Moses a very specific set of laws, ten of them. And the first of his commandments was this. You shall have no other gods before me. As if that was not clear enough, God explains his directive in detail. 
You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, while Moses was speaking to the Most High, the Hebrews were in a desert camp terrified of the noises and clouds and thunder. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. And so the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Now Jehovah warns Moses that the people have turned against him and were worshipping an idol. Moses has to convince Jehovah not to kill the Israelites for this offense. It seems odd, I think, that God is like, I'll get rid of all of them. And Moses is telling him, well, why'd you bring them out of Egypt if you're just going to kill them all? Yeah, right. Like, so you want no followers instead of, you know, me? Yes, well, God says (laughs) to Moses, I'll make a great nation out of you. And I've often wondered what went through Moses' elderly mind at the time. Like, I'm not up to that, God. I'm not, yeah, no. No, no. I've done enough. (laughs) Moses descends from the mountain and discovers the the people worshipping the calf. In a rage, he shatters the commandments, written on slabs of stone, and demands the camp separate into groups, those loyal to Jehovah and those who are not. Then he orders the priest to slaughter the disloyal. I'm sorry, this is confusing to me. Let me just verify. Mm-hmm. Jehovah, that'd be God, the right. God that we're talking about. God says, hey Moses, those people down there, they're not not—they're not who you think they are. Let me smite them for you. And Moses is like, no, 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 they're cool, they're cool. Trust me, it's totally fine. But then when Moses comes down and finds out that, oh, the dude that knows everything and told me that they weren't cool was right. Yeah. Then he's mad and decides to murder them all anyways. Well, what he does is he demands that the people separate into those who are willing to be loyal and those who are not. Well, before he said that, did he also say, and those who will not be loyal, I'm going to slaughter you? Because <laughs> I feel like that might color my choice as to which group I stand with. I'm not sure that he did. However... <laughs> Um, he does separate those, the, the Levites, the people who are the priests, refuse to participate in worshiping the calf. And they, Good. therefore, were given the right to slaughter all the people. These are the priests, by the way. Also, I always pictured the calf being big, but it was made out of earrings. It, now, here's the interesting... It wasn't that big. When you think about this story, also, you wonder, why are the slaves wandering through the desert with gold earrings? And the story is that the Egyptians were so anxious to get rid of them and fly favor with this invisible god who keeps smiting them. Oh, interesting. That they just gave up all their things and said, here, take this with you. We love you. Go off the uh, desert. I presumed that it was a thing where on birth uh-huh. you would pierce the baby's ears mm-hmm. and and put gold, like, 
familial gold right. or found gold um, as some sort of like almost like a uh, like a dowry that you right. could wear and for everybody not just I know it's not mm -hmm. men it's men and women that right. wore, wore things like that but like piercing baby's ears and putting a treasure in them for later seems like a fairly as far as I reasonable thing yeah this to was do. Made, because there was a fair amount of stuff that they took out with them I mean the Ark of the Covenant was overlaid with gold there was stuff that they had that came out as almost like spoils, so that because uh, the Egyptians wanted to appease this god who kept uh, running them over. So, yes, the Old Testament was all about hard men, hard women, and a god who could not be disobeyed. I bring this story up because it illustrates something about the nature of the new conservative movement. It is no longer a clear, no longer has a clear set of morals, motives, or ideas. It is a cult, and the deity they worship is also made of gold. Yes. So specifically what we're talking about here is at CPAC, mm -hmm. which is a conservative uh, political action convention. Con convention. It's a convention. It was held in Florida, uh -huh. which will surprise no one. Uh, it's the first place that uh, ex-President Trump has spoken publicly since mm. he was ousted yeah. uh, on January 2nd or January 20th, excuse me. On January 20th. And they, somebody, it's unclear to me who, commissioned a literal golden statue of, and it's a, the statue was wild. It is of Donald Trump in patriotic board shorts and sandals and a, and a blazer. He's the shiniest of golds, which makes me right. think he is not made of actual gold, which is accurate to time and place. The book that they claim to worship explicitly uh -huh. says, if you do this, you will literally be smited by God, and yet here they are doing it. Yes. What's it's, happening? I find it very funny when he just, just now when he said, of Donald Trump, I thought that's what, that's Melania's name. Yeah. Um, the, the, when I saw it, I thought it was a joke. It I looks really like a, it, it looks, looks like a, it came out of the it's onion. It's a caricature, obviously. And it's really ridiculous. And I, I kept thinking, no, no, this Did somebody make it as a joke and then the people at CPAC fell for it? I don't know. I it's yeah, it's a very it it, it was very weird. And I saw people interacting with it. I've asked to take pictures of it. People are praying over it. And it makes me think about how far they've come. Now, as you and I have spoken, I don't always hold with the Old Testament version of history. So Tommy Zegan, mm -hmm. Trump supporter, who's recently moved to Mexico from the United States, which is also a wild sentence, created a six-foot-tall fiberglass mold of the former president and painted it gold. Mr. Zegan's Trump carried a magic wand in his left hand, the sculpted Trump wore his customary suit jacket and a red tie, American flag shorts, and flip-flops because, quote, because technically he should be retired, Mr. Zekin explained, but he chose to be a servant. One thing Donald Trump has never a day in no. his life chosen to do is to serve anything or anyone. Are you, 
Hmm. Okay. So it's paint. It's not a. It's not made of gold. It's just painted gold. Okay. Uh, probably with some sort of spray paints. It is very shiny. Uh, and uh, yeah. So that that's who made it and where it came from. A Trump supporter who now lives in Mexico. Right. Um, I, 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 for the record, mm -hmm. fan of Mexico. Right. But Trump supporters are not typically fans of Mexicans, which I think is who populates Mexico. (laughs) So I don't understand why they would go there. Uh, It's part of the kind of. Probably to uh, keep from getting, um, you know, arrested for tax. Issues or something. I think that it that to me doesn't surprise me because it's very much a part of that hypocritical culture. I I encourage violence, but how dare you say something violent about me? I encourage sexism, but I'm a woman and I speak for Trump, and that's why I'm being silenced. It's that I'm doing something wrong, so I'm. Gonna, or even more recently, the cancel culture issue, mm-hmm. which is. And I've seen some really good responses to the notion of cancel culture going, this was something invented by conservative people to get... I mean, I sat at a Jimmy Swaggart revival meeting when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and listened to him go on about how we should all stop watching... uh, God, what was the show with Gary Coleman? Um, Not Facts of Life. No, it was one of those shows. And uh, Different Strokes. That's what it was, yeah. And uh, in that program, there was an episode where the kindly mm. adopted uh, dad um, gets together with a female character who was just a guest on the show. And little Arnold, I think that was his name, comes home and sees it and doesn't know what to make of it. So the dad hasn't a conversation with them saying that sometimes people get together and they're not necessarily going to get married or they're not going to stay together or maybe they will, but that's how they find out. And Jimmy Swaggart was of the opinion that uh, not only was the show, did he put the show on blast for that mm-hmm. and say that we shouldn't be watching it. He mm-hmm. also said that um, Campbell's Soup pulled out as a sponsor yes. of different strokes and therefore we should all be buying a lot of Campbell's Soup. He would go so far, and many of them did at that time, to tell you what churches to belong to. Yeah. If you're a member of the Episcopal Fellowship, get out of it. I mean, he would go down the line. If right. you're a Methodist, get out of well, that and, church. And the conservative, like Republicans, mm-hmm. every Republican who voted to impeach Donald Trump in this last, right. the last impeachment thing has been censured by the Republican Party of right. their state. So, what 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 if not canceling is that? Yeah, but I mean, the actual cancel goes back to where we're going to stop listening to um, Amy Grant, although she was our darling, we're going to stop listening to her because she's separating from her jerk husband. Yeah, and right. So they would much rather that she be in an unhappy marriage because that's what Christian women do. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, with a guy who's apparently exploiting her, from what well, I understand. And Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know, I've... I would like to do a thing on cancel culture. Right. Um, I I don't want to. I don't want to. That's a path I'm gonna get. I'm gonna start going down, and I will. Right. It will be way off topic. So that is a thing that we should talk about. Yes. Um. But fundamentally, the people who are using that term are both 
incorrect uh-huh. and hypocritical about the use of that term. And I will leave it there. Yes, well, that's kind of what I'm, I'm talking about with here. It's like at the same time that we're telling people that we're hewing to the Bible. Yeah. And that's our book. We are literally praying to something painted, well, painted gold. Putting gold. hands on a on a gold, putting hands on any statue at all mm-hmm. uh, is a problem, according to well, uh, what, that, I like is that, what we just, what you just said. Read. Not only does Moses have the people who worship the calf and refuse to go with the new religion executed, those who survived, he had the calf ground into dust and they were forced to drink it. Well, that seems like a waste of gold. That's, but it's a really horrible punishment. And that, the idea that then we now have people, and I'm thinking of the famous picture of Donald Trump holding a Bible over his head, mm-hmm. for which he actually threw real Christians who are ministering to people by giving them water and protecting them and making a safe space. They weren't being political. They were just helping the protesters who were being assaulted by police officers and and the National Guard or and random mercenaries who were in the crowd for some reason. They seemed to forget that was a thing. We had unnamed mercenaries wandering around public cities, uh, refusing to answer any questions about their identity or why they're there. And, mm-hmm. uh, but while there were some people offering shelter and protection to those people, those ministers were tear gassed so that Donald Trump can come in front of a church and hold a Bible up, you know, uh, and sort of claim his solidarity as if he'd conquered this church mm-hmm. for the the right way to be a Christian, which, of course, he has no idea what it is. Right. But increasingly, uh, the evangelical movement has no idea what they're doing or who they're worshiping. Just seeing the fact that you can read what we just did, and we can have arguments about, or conversations, rather, we can stop having arguments, conversations about what it means in the context of it historically. But it's very, very clear that you are not to be touching idols. Yeah, this is not even. There's no subtlety here. No, it's this not. This is a brick over not, the head. A, it's not a, a. If you look at this askance, it could no. be seen as the same f- behavior. It's literally exactly the behavior right. you were explicitly told and not the to consequences do. Consequences and the directive not de- to de- do de- it. De- de- there are not. There, there's no squinting to make it look fuzzy. No, it's absolutely one hundred percent. Here. You're the ones Moses smoted. Right. Sm- smited, smote? I don't know. Smote. How are you? Smited. What is the past tense? Maybe we can ask the audience. I think it's smote. Past tense of, of smote, smote, smote. Smout. Smout. <laughs> like the dragon. Smout. Smout <laughs> the magic dragon. Yeah. So, y'all, don't put hands on a golden statue of anything, but certainly not of a lying deceitful rapist rapist racist 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 (laughs) made a new word that brings us to the end of this week's episode if you like it please subscribe and leave us a review and share it with a friend we have an internet home without workspodcast.com our show notes and links to stories we talk about can be found there we're also reachable at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook at withoutworkspodcast. All that information is also on the website as well, so go over there, have a look around, clickety-click on those links. I've been Amity. He's been Lemuel. 
And we urge you to stay in until you're vaccinated and do something good. Yes, vaccinations on the way.